Hello there. Welcome to the Christ Covenant Sermon Talkback. The Sermon Talkback is a chance for pastors and members of Christ Covenant to process the sermon, ask questions to the preacher, and more practically apply the content of the sermon. If you have a question for the Sermon Talkback, please text it to the text-to-pastor line at 678-951-9041, or you can ask through Twitter by tweeting to Jason directly at Jason Edwin Dees. Enjoy. So people think we record these in some awesome sound studio somewhere, but they don't realize that we're right here in the collective, right on Peachtree. Tara Thompson is here today. Tara, how's that baby? So far, so good, I think. Do what, the 27th of February? 25th. 25th. 27th would be too close to leap day. That would be true. Wait, Christmas. this year is a leap year. It I is. Know. You could be born on February 29th. Yes, we've already brought this up in a sermon talkback. Oh, we have? Yes. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I had forgotten. I had forgotten. Blake Rogers is here um, of, Boyce, of Boyce Basketball fame. And um, my old buddy, my seminary roommate. Now, wait, there's actually something that three of us have in common that maybe you guys don't realize. But uh, I lived in a house in seminary called the Duck and the Goose. Most of you know that. Uh, and one of my roommates there was Josh Cornetti's in town this week. He was here in the service yesterday. Josh, welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here. Blake Rogers also lived in the Duck in the yeah. News. Great yeah. times mm-hmm. up in Louisville. Never a bad time with the D&G. Well, guys, uh, yesterday we talked about what Christians believe. And, um, you know, hopefully it was a helpful sermon. We, we walked through a very famous passage of scripture. Um, and so let's just kind of go around. We always usually start off with an impression uh, Josh, any any impressions uh, from Matthew 28 from the sermon yesterday? Yes, and so I still have in my mind the um, the part of the sermon where you helped us to understand the Great Commission. Generally, I when I think of the Great Commission, I think of the word "go" as the primary imperative. I, I need to go and make disciples. You helped us to understand yesterday that um, it's better to understand that as as you're going, uh, and so it just helps me to think of the Great Commission more as a lifestyle than an event or a, a week of the year that I give to missions. And so that was, a, that was a helpful challenge um, that left an impression on me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it's, an, it's a participle that w- is working as an adverb to modify the verb, which is to make disciples or to disciple. And so to that point, as you're saying, like, okay, you, as you're going in everything that you're doing, and it's not even really going. It's, it's kind of like as you're living, as you're about what you're about, be a disciple maker. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's helpful. How about you, Blake? Any impressions? Yeah, well, one impression on the heels of what he just said, like discovering and diving deep on actual like sentence structure and language is unbelievably insightful, yeah, I think. Yeah. And so being a good Bible student is uh, something that we should all be pursuing. The other thing I think was helpful was when you discussed a product driven faith versus a people driven faith. A, um, and I believe you said that a product driven faith can teach you some really good things about Christianity, but never leads you to full obedience. Yeah. The problem with a product driven faith really is you're, you're too much in control, you know? And so mm-hmm. when things get hard, when you're challenged, you can just get another product, right? Mm-hmm. Um, shopping doesn't really ever teach you that much, right? shopping doesn't really ever grow you into maturity. 
the things that really grow you into maturity are when you submit to something, when you mm -hmm. uh, join a team, right? It's not like shopping. Mm -hmm. It's like committing mm -hmm. uh, or being a part of a family or, Tara, having a child. These are the kinds of things that, that, that don't just teach you more information. You're not just consuming something. You're having to give to something. And so that's why, yeah, mm -hmm. I think that in, in the modern kind of Christian culture that has, um, you know, we've kind of gotten rid of the idea of church membership and commitment. We are consuming good products, but we're not um, giving ourselves to people. And I think it's very hard to learn obedience in that context. Mm -hmm. You know, Josh and I, we had breakfast this morning. We were talking about how God, like, teaches us and grows us in good times and in bad times. Mm -hmm. And it's really like when trials come at you um, and you're in the middle of something, oftentimes those are the moments that we look back on in our Christian lives as where we grew abundantly. And the reality is, is we're not in control of our situation. That's and right. we were very much reminded of that. Yeah, so we had to right. submit ourselves to, to the circumstances and hopefully to God's sovereignty um, and trust in him, uh, in those things. And the Lord, for whatever reason, he uses that as yeah. his mechanism for growth. Yeah, that's very good. Yeah. All right, Tara, impressions. Yeah, I think one thing I, I remembered from yesterday's sermon, I don't even think you meant it to be a main point at all, but a church anchored in the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit should be marked by both holiness and love, that, a balance of both. You can't have one more than the other. And I just thought it was a good reminder. Well, yeah, I didn't mean to, like, create a balance there. I was just saying <laughs> things that a Trinitarian call sure. calls us to. But it is a good balance. Why? Because it's true. It flows from God, who is the... Uh, there's, there's perfect balance in God. There's perfect wholeness in God. And so, yeah, the, the Trinity, if you're really baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, it, it opens your heart and mind and eyes a whole different kind of way of living. I mean, you understand holiness in a totally different way. You understand mm -hmm. love, as we talked about yesterday, in a totally different way, not just um, as kind of a marketplace love that most of us hold on to, which is I'm going to make myself as marketable as I possibly can so that people will love me. But it's a, it's a posture of I'm giving, I'm pouring into, and you know I'm in a community where I'm being poured into. Um, and that is such a beautiful thing. But, you know, the, the, a Trinitarian love calls us to servanthood, mm -hmm. right? The, the, the posture of the members of the Trinity is they're submitting to one another. They're giving to one another. Um, the Trinitarian love calls us to, or Trinitarian call calls us to mission. Um, God in his fullness, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, created the world. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's a lot of calls that being baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit mean for the Christian but yeah, I love that you kind of noticed the balance there. That's, that's beautiful. It's not even something that we really meant to do. Um, yeah, but you had a question kind of related to yeah. persons in the Trinity. Sure, yeah. I think also back to what Josh was saying, just about the emphasis of the great commandment. Um, as we're going in our, in our lives, we are called as believers, all believers, to baptize and teach. And I think baptizing and teaching but specifically baptizing a lot of believers don't really think that that's something that they're ever going to do unless they're a pastor of a church so this question is kind of for just the everyday believer what does it mean to baptize somebody else if they're not a pastor yeah you know a lot of just to like say something and i don't know if this has been said you know we i mean if there's a mature believer in the body that leads someone to faith in christ and they want to baptize their friend 
so long as that's kind of done under the authority of the church, then they can do that, right? Yeah, so sure. baptism is not like something that's restricted to just clergy members. So maybe yeah. that's a first thought. The second thought is whenever I baptize somebody, and a lot of people like to be baptized by the pastor, and I, I totally get that. But whenever I baptize someone, um, I, even though I'm a pastor, even though I'm seminary trained, even though I've, you know, have all this, whatever, I don't have any authority to baptize people. I baptize them, A, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but mm -hmm. B, and I even said this yesterday, on behalf of the members of this church. Right. And so now there's a certain, um, it's not that like, for example, every time somebody wants to be baptized, we have to discuss them before the whole church. There's a certain amount of trust that the members of the church have placed in um, you know, the various leadership people at Christ's covenant. But, um, but I see my role um, as doing this on behalf of a church that God has called together. And so, yeah, just being a member of the church, you should feel like, I mean, the appropriate thing to say at the end of a service like yesterday would be, we baptized, we, Christ covenant, four people yesterday not Jason baptized four people uh, yesterday. So the act of baptizing for a believer is evangelizing and bringing others into the faith alongside? And occasionally, you know, like Graham, uh, you know, mm -hmm. uh, baptized Nathan uh, Corbett yeah. a few months ago. So um, I would say that, like, that is something that, that believers can participate in um, under the care and heading of the church. Mm -hmm. So... I, I think I got confused with, with Josh's question earlier, but you had a question about... You know, Josh about, should go. That's great. You had a question <laughs> about the members of the Trinity, Josh. I did have a question, and I'd like for you to help me to understand a little better what you meant yesterday when you said that if a church speaks more about the Holy Spirit than it does about Jesus, then that church doesn't actually have the Holy Spirit. What did you mean by that? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I, I think I said that's evidence that that church may not have the, the Holy Spirit. Um, and I will explain that. Uh, obviously, we believe that as we confessed yesterday, the Holy Spirit, um, who with the Father and the Son uh, together is worshiped and glorified, right? Mm -hmm. um, we believe that the Holy Spirit is fully God. We believe that He proceeds from the Father and the Son. And so to worship, to glorify, to pray to the Holy Spirit, these are certainly appropriate things. However, we're not Unitarians, right? And so we understand that each member of the Godhead operates in a different kind of way. And the Holy Spirit, and even, and this is affirmed over and over in Scripture, He, when, when you see His work, He's never at the foreground. He's always in the background. He's, he's always serving Christ and the Father. He's serving the other two members. Um, in the same way, Christ is giving glory to his Father. So th there is certainly an order within the Godhead. Um, and, and, and I think that a manifestation of the Spirit's presence in a church is that that church is going to talk a lot about Jesus and it's going to talk a lot about the Father. Mm -hmm. It's not that that church is never going to talk about the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. They should. They should understand the, the work of the Holy Spirit. 
and be very dependent on the work of the Holy Spirit. So in no way did I mean to say we shouldn't be talking about the Holy Spirit. No, I meant to dishonor the third person of the Trinity. Um, what I was saying is that according to Scripture, according to the words of Christ himself, the Holy Spirit does not operate on his authority, but he takes what's been given to him. The Holy Spirit, according to Scripture, glorifies the Son. The Holy Spirit brings into remembrance not the things that he has said, but the things that Jesus has said. And so I just think if you get into a church and there's not a lot of talk about Christ and the Father, but there's a lot of talk about the Holy Spirit, I would watch out. To me, that's evidence that there, and, and, and I would say this, you can't overemphasize the Holy Spirit, just like you can't overemphasize any member of the Godhead, but you can wrongly emphasize a member of the Godhead. And I think a church that's talking about the Holy Spirit all the time is actually wrongly emphasizing him. He, it seems per scripture, would rather you be talking about the Son, would rather you be talking about the Father. And so if he is really active in your life, um, you actually honor him by talking more about Jesus and the Father. So I think that's a great question. That's what I was trying to say yesterday, uh, but I realized that may have been a, a fresh thought for some folks. Mm -hmm. So Jason, a question I had, um, you know, we read verses 16 and 17, and then, you know, the, these, these verses are kind of interesting, right? So you have, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But you have a very interesting phrase here, but some doubted. What, what do we make of those disciples who were with Jesus who were doubting? It, it's, an, it's an interesting, it's interesting to, to your point. Um, it, so it says they worshiped him, which you, I would assume is, uh, a collective whole, mm -hmm. right? All sure. of them were worshiping him yet while they were worshiping him, some of those who were worshiping him were kind of doubting, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Because, and I've heard pastors say different things on this. So, you know, for example, Bryant Wright, who I love, who's a mentor of mine, he thinks that they were doubting the commission that Christ was about to give them. He thinks they were doubting, they, they were thinking, okay, Jesus is about to tell us to go disciple the whole world. That's a huge job, can we do it? Mm -hmm. That's why he says, all authority has been given to me. I'll be with you, you can do it. Maybe that's the case. I kind of think they were still doubting, is this really the resurrected Lord? Yeah. Is this really Jesus who has come back from the dead and is standing before me? Can I really trust what he says? Is this really the Messiah? Is this really God? I think all of those questions were floating through their heads, um, which I think actually, Blake, like the fact that the Holy Spirit <laughs> put this in the Bible, led the gospel writer Matthew to put this in the Bible, is incredibly comforting to me mm -hmm. because it's like, man, God can manifest himself in these amazing ways. And in fact, what is Jesus about to do here? It doesn't say to those who weren't doubting, Jesus said, it says, and Jesus came to them and said, all authority mm -hmm. has been given to me. The fact that Jesus, even when our faith sometimes is a little fragile, uh, gives us huge assignments. Mm -hmm. Even though sometimes when we don't really believe in him, Jesus believes in us, it's incredibly helpful for me as a guy who's had his fair share of doubts along the way. Um, and uh, I, 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 I didn't talk about that verse yesterday, but I referenced the John 6 passage where I think Peter 
doesn't know what Jesus is talking about either when he says, unless you eat my body and drink my blood. I think, I think Peter is looking there with his head confused, and that's why right. Jesus says, yeah. are y'all going to go also? Mm-hmm. And then Peter says, to whom else will we go? Right. right? Yeah. This is not all clear, but we believe that you have the words of life. Mm-hmm. And that's, that, I think, if, if you're there, if you're listening to this and you're there, I think that that's uh, you know, not a place that you want to be forever, but it's an okay place to be in your, in your walk with the Lord to just have those moments where you're saying, look, I, I, I don't know where else I'm going to go. I know this is true, but man, it's sure confusing right now. Or man, it's sure hard to hold on to right now. Sure. And I even think some of these disciples with Jesus standing sure. before him were kind of in the same place. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And what you shared talking? a quote earlier. You said, we don't believe or doubt. We believe through doubt. Yeah, Charles Taylor. Yeah. Charles Taylor, I think, is a really helpful quote. He says, the Christian life is not belief or doubt. It's belief through doubt. And I think he's right. I think that it's not that, I mean, when you say belief through doubt, that, could, that belief could be incredibly strong. Mm-hmm. There could be right. times where you're, yeah. yeah. But there, it, it could be when the doubt is incredibly strong, but you're still believing. And that's, what, that's the mark of the Christian. Um, it, it's not that those one is always turned on or off. Mm-hmm. They can both be on. I mean, I, I love uh, Tim Keller preached at the Gospel Coalition in 2011. I, I, it was just still a very powerful sermon to me. He preached on Exodus 14 and the people of Israel crossing the Red Sea. And he said, you know, some of those people walked into that sea thinking to themselves, look at our God, look how strong he is, look what he's done. Uh, Look at these foolish Egyptians trying to come after us. And he said, some of the people uh, walked into the Red Sea saying, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, you know, (laughs) like what is happening after this? I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die. Mm -hmm. And so, um, um, but, what happened? They all got across. They all got across. Yeah. And so, you know, his conclusion was, it's not the strength of your faith that matters. It's the object of your faith that yeah, matters. That's right. And that's the Christian life. Mm-hmm. And Jesus, like in the passage last week, you know, he, he almost like pursues Peter um, in any doubts that he might have. Like Jesus addresses that. He says, who yeah. do you say that I am? They right. say this. Who yeah. do you say that yeah, I am? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Peter in confidence says, you're the Christ, son of living God. And then not too many verses later. The next later, story, yeah. Right, he just denies him three times. And so... Well, no, no, no. That's when Jesus says, get behind me. Get behind me. Jesus yeah, okay. says, I'm going down to Jerusalem to die. Yeah. And Peter's like, no, it should never be. Far be from you, Lord, that you would do that. Yeah. And yeah, that's right. So Peter goes from confessing Christ to being called Satan in a matter of minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so because what? He wasn't trusting mm-hmm. the plan that Jesus was laying out for him. So yeah, yeah that's really helpful. Well, guys... It's been a great talk, Mike. Josh Cornett. Great to be here. Special guest. Man, I'm so glad you are here, Josh. Uh, you're uh, heading back out to Nebraska today, so get your coat on, man. How cold? <laughs> did you check the weather this morning out there? I have not checked it. It's in the teens, though, I bet. Oof. oof. Snow it's in the teens. <laughs> oof. Oof. <laughs> we can all give a oof. We can all give an oof for the teens in Nebraska. Well, for Texas, Tara Thompson, Blake Rogers, Josh Cornett, I'm Jason Dees. Thanks for listening.